Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. This is a rebroadcast of Andy's chat with the late, great Kobe Bryant, commemorating his final game on April 13th, 2016. Hi, everyone. It's Andy Bernstein. And I'm so glad you can join me and all of us at Legends of Sport for this very special re-release of my podcast with the late, great Kobe Bryant. As you may know, I have been the Lakers team photographer and longtime senior photographer for the NBA for 40 years. I was fortunate to meet a young rookie named Kobe Bryant on Lakers Media Day in 1996 and document his Hall of Fame career every step of the way for 20 years. Five NBA championships two-time NBA Finals MVP, 2008 League MVP, 18-time All-Star, and two gold medals, and so much more. Off the court, Kobe was an entrepreneur, an author, and an Oscar winner. He was also a husband and father to four beautiful girls. Kobe and his daughter Gigi died tragically on January 26, 2020, in a terrible helicopter crash that also took the lives of seven other souls on that shocking Sunday morning. The world lost an icon and a hero. His wife Vanessa and his three daughters lost a husband, father, daughter, and sister, and I lost a friend. It is a loss I don't think I will ever fully recover from, and I know I share that feeling of grief with so many of you out there. After he retired in 2016, Kobe and I collaborated on a book called The Mamba Mentality, How I Play. The book was released in 2018, and he was incredibly generous to allow me into his office in November 2018 to record this podcast episode, which was released a few weeks later. We had a great conversation, like so many others we had had over the years in the training room or on the team bus or plane or while we worked on our book together. I hope you enjoy this very special episode with the Mamba himself. Thank you all again, and thank you to my friend Kobe Bryant for a wonderful conversation that day. All right. Well, welcome Kobe Bryant to the Legends of Sport podcast. All right, man. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thanks for having us at your office. Um, Who would have thought, what, 22 years ago when we first met that I'd be... Sitting on this side of a microphone, interview with you after a uh, unbelievable twenty-year iconic NBA career. Well, that makes two of us. I, I never <laughs> thought I'd be having an office or a studio, <laughs> right, out here talking about basketball. So. Yeah, I hear you. Well, we have a lot to talk about, of course, about our book, yeah. which uh, I'm hearing now is the number one bestseller in the New York Times Yeah, list. how about that, huh? I can't believe it. Uh, <laughs> well, I can believe it because it's all, all you, but nah, 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 nah. I think we made a pretty good team on that. Yes, we did. So let, let's go back just a little bit as to when we first met, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, you and I have talked about this story, but we haven't talked about it on the podcast. You and I met, it was uh, Media Day 1996, your rookie year, 18-year-old, fresh-faced kid, right? And I came up, introduced myself to you, yeah. and you said, I know who you are. I absolutely know who you are. Right, that yeah. blew me away because we had never met before. Well, you've taken so. every iconic picture 
uh, poster that I had on my wall. Mm. So, and you know, I was very, very familiar with who you are. Um, because all the kind of shots that I watched and studied were taken by you. Mm. So that's that, that just blew me away, honestly. <laughs> and then when we got into the book, you, you talked about how you studied my pictures as yeah. a kid, right? Yeah. So can you remember something specific? Can you remember like, you know, a Jordan poster or, you know, Magic Bird Isaiah? You yeah. Any, uh, any specific uh, ones? Uh, uh, I think it was a Jordan box out. Uh and I was looking at his his foot position and where his elbow was at the time. I think it was in a midsection of a player. His elbow was hooked into the midsection of the player. Yeah. And I remember looking at that and going, "Okay, that is not how they teach me how to box out." Uh-huh. You know, <laughs> that's at, big time um, boxing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a different right. thing. It doesn't. There's nothing fundamentally sound about that other than he has his back towards the player and he's using his legs to move the player out. Everything else was completely unconventional. Mm-hmm. And I'm saying, okay, well, maybe that's why I'm having issues boxing out bigger players because at the time I was playing against older players. Yeah. How old were you? Then, uh, 12. 12. So yeah. I was having difficulties boxing out bigger players. Yeah. And I'm looking at that and I'm saying, okay, it's not good enough to simply turn my back to a player. I actually have to use my elbows to try to lock the player in and kind of shield them off because I can tell that his, his arms were flexing, right? So he wasn't just putting his elbow there for just to rest it, right? Right. There it was, was an purpose. action. There yeah. was a purpose. Yeah, there was yeah. movement involved and resistance right. involved. Yeah. Um, so little details like that. And a photo spoke to you with that, right? Well, yeah, because I, you know, I can watch and analyze and critique. Yeah. And you know, still photos, um, you can learn a lot more from that than you can from moving pictures. Because mm-hmm. you know, things move so fast, right? Yeah. But with a still image, you have time to actually look in the moment right. and look at either what was working for the offensive player or not and what was working for the defensive player or not. Mm. I got to tell you, it's the first time I ever heard that from any athlete that I've ever worked with that they actually used my photos to up their game. <laughs> I mean, well, but, but if you think about it, it makes complete sense, right? Yeah. Because you, you can sit there and watch footage uh, from a game mm-hmm. um, broadcast on TV, right? And you'll study that. Mm-hmm. Um, photos are also part of the broadcast. Mm-hmm. There are actually things from the game that should be learned, should be studied. Um, so it's just it's it's gamed content. Yeah. Right? So so then you know it was on me to get the timing right so that you could learn something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, you, you succeeded. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so I have to ask you, Cope, because I know you for so long, and you know your work ethic is absolutely legendary. I mean, it was from day one from when I first met you. I think that's one of the things that that bonded us from the beginning that I saw in the, in a young guy, the same work ethic that I had at your age, you know, and I was 20 years older than you, um, determination, drive, ambition, don't take no for an answer. Yeah. Somebody tells you you can't do something and only fuels you more, you know, um, where did that work ethic come from, from you, for you? Well, I, mean, I think it just came from the enjoyment of, of playing. Mm-hmm. You know, so I'm sure the same thing with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, is you, you just love what you do. Yeah. And so, it, you know, when you're when you're doing it, there's no place you'd rather be, mm-hmm. you know. And mm-hmm. as you grow up, you start to understand that that is what most people call hard work. Yeah, yeah. But for us, it's just yeah. an enjoyment of what we do. Right. We just want to do it more and more and more. Like, I, I just couldn't stop thinking about the game. Yeah. You know, if I wasn't playing it, I was studying it. Mm-hmm. If I wasn't studying it, I was playing it, mm-hmm. you know. And, um, you know, as you grow up, people tend to label that as hmm. hard work. And obsession. And obsession. We've talked about that, yeah. right? Yeah. So you have a, you have a uh, well-known quote that I use all the time 
that uh, if you're not obsessed obsessed with what you do, we don't speak the same language. Yeah. Right. And you took that into your professional career. I'm sure that started at a young age. You just described how mm-hmm. you you know the game spoke to you, and you worked on your game as sure. as a young player. Was there anything about me in particular? In our relationship that you saw, like, there was some kind of camaraderie there in terms of obsession? Well, well, I, I knew from your history and from your track record that you must have been excellent, right? I mean, there's no person that's getting to the gym five five hours early. If birds there are shooting <laughs> and you're there, yeah. chances are. <laughs> I, beat him, I beat him to the gym. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. You, you know, there's right. a certain level of, of preparation. I just want to get a good parking spot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> me too. Yeah. <laughs> Um, right, but like you know, when I show up to the to the to, to the arena and I see you there setting up, mm-hmm. and the process that you go through setting things up, the ladder, and, yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> uh, the the practice photos and all this, thing, mm-hmm. um, that's telling me that you are preparing for this game. Mm-hmm. You're not just showing up and taking pictures, right? Mm-hmm. There's thought that goes in, into it. Mm-hmm. There's an understanding that mm-hmm. goes into it, and uh, and you know that means we speak the same language. Mm-hmm. Do you think there's a downside to obsession? I mean, I certainly have felt like I'd had to sacrifice. I was a single dad for like eight years when yeah. my kids were little. Yeah. And I you know, wasn't around them a lot. I was traveling a lot. I get home late from sure. you know, road trips or whatever. I mean, like in any job, there's a sacrifice, obviously, long hours or sure. whatever it is that sure. you do. Um, is it a fair trade-off, do you think? Well, I mean, at the end it, of the day? It, as, a, as a kid... Um, the sacrifice is not really a sacrifice to me. Yeah. You know, when people say, okay, well you lose a normal childhood. Well, who defines what's a normal childhood? I don't know. What's normal yeah. hanging out with your friends and doing what? Yeah. yeah. Going to the movies, walking around aimlessly talking about things that mean nothing. Like yeah, for me, it was like trading, trading cards, you know, I mean, what, cards, okay. Whatever. So you're missing out on that. Yeah. What, no, yeah. that that's not much to miss out on. Mm-hmm. There's no, yeah. Right. If if you're a kid and you love to play basketball, you love to play soccer, you love writing, whatever the case may be, um, you, you're one of the fortunate ones mm-hmm. because you, you know what it is that you love to do. You figured out at an early age and you go after it and you meet friends through that mm-hmm. and you meet people that um, uh, uh, share the same uh, commitment level, mm-hmm. you know, same obsession, if you will. Mm-hmm. And and you do nothing but propel each other mm-hmm. versus hanging around a bunch of kids that don't know what the heck they want to do with their lives and they're just walking around aimlessly doing foolish things. It doesn't so, make any sense. It's like a waste of time. It's a waste of time. Yeah. Now, as you get older and you have a family, now that becomes something where you have to figure out that balance mm-hmm. of of commitment to your craft but also commitment to your family which is is very very tough it's very it's in very our tough. business it's really it's got to be one of the hardest businesses it right? absolutely is and, and, and the way i look at it it's not there's no such thing as as pure balance there's never going to be that way it's you just continue to swing from one side to the other where you you, you obsess with your craft and you spend all the time you need to do that and then well, you swung too far on that side, so let me swing really far on this side. Spend time with the family, and you do all this, and then you swing back. So it's like a constant back and forth. Yeah, yeah. I call um, it a revolving door of priorities. That's exactly what it is. That's exactly what it is. Yeah. And you hope in the process of swinging that door, it doesn't come off the hinges. Right. <laughs> yeah, right. It, all hell doesn't break loose right. when you're on a road trip, right. which has happened right. to me many times. But, right. Um, you know, Peter Goober has a great uh, mantra um, in his book, and, and Peter's a good friend. I know you know Peter really well, yep. that dreams plus goals equals destiny, mm-hmm. right? So as a young photographer, my dream was 
to become a good photographer. The goal, honestly, the goal when I became a professional photographer was to get that first cover of Sports Illustrated. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if it was my destiny or not, you know, some, you know, that's for somebody else to decide. But Mm -hmm. for me, that was my destiny, Mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. So when you won that first championship in 2000, did you feel like that, that you had accomplished that goal? Was that your goal going into becoming a professional player? No, no I wanted to win multiple. So, like, you know, we won the first one. It was like, we were supposed to win the first one. I mean, because the Does goal was to win one. It was like, no, we were so, it was just a matter of when it yeah. was going to happen. It was like, okay, great, we won one. Yeah. Awesome. Uh-huh. Let's win another one, yeah. right? Because it, it became it became normal, at least in my mind, that you win three in a row. Mm, okay. This is what we do. I mean, Magic won back-to-back. Michael went three in a row twice. It was like, they can do it. Why the hell can't we? Yeah. Well, this Phil, is what we're supposed to do. Phil Jackson always said that the second one was always harder, right? Because there's a natural letdown, supposed blah, blah, to blah. But you wouldn't let that happen. No, for I, us I remember it you wouldn't. The second one was the easiest one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we went through trials and tribulations in the regular season, but, I mean, the playoffs came around. It was yeah. like... Yeah, let's go. Yeah, it was the easiest one to get. Right, we That's lost true. one game That's the whole true. postseason. It was it was nuts. The third one yeah. um, was a little more challenging. Mm-hmm. Third one was a little more challenging yeah. for us in terms of getting yeah. to the finals. But no, it was this is what we were supposed to do. Did you guys feel like you uh, had it in you to win that fourth one in two thousand four? Yeah, yeah. I yeah. mean, the personnel you had, yeah. Carl, you had uh, well, Gary Payton. That that team is yeah. a different, you know. So. I, I was alluding to us winning four in a row, yeah, and oh, going four, up against yeah. the Spurs, right. um, and we were close. Yeah. I, mean, I remember Roberts' shot. I mean, went bottom of the bucket, mm. came yes, out that's right. right? So yeah. I mean, it's a game of inches, man. And then um, for whatever reason, you know, uh, management at the time decided to break that team up. Mm-hmm. I, like I, I'm, I don't understand. Yeah, you know, I didn't understand at the time. Don't understand now. And bring in new personnel, bring in Gary, bring in Carl for a team that just went to the finals for you know, three consecutive years, won yeah. three straight championships, lost in a grueling series to San Antonio, who went on to be eventual champions. Mm-hmm. Instead of saying, you know what, let's give them the summer to retool, mm-hmm. just just rest, mm-hmm. you know, older players, you got to just, you know, yeah. and come back and do it again. Yeah. They just decided just to change and revamp the whole squad. Yeah, which it actually doesn't make, make any sense. sense. Yeah. It didn't make sense. So, like, we brought in players and Carl and Gary, who were great individual players um, and great playing in the systems that they played in for years. But the triangle is a different animal. Mm-hmm. It's a different animal. And uh, we weren't prepared going up against Detroit yeah. to run deeper into our offense. Right, right. Um, and, of course, Carl got hurt, so that, that hurt you guys. Yeah, but it wouldn't yeah. have made much much yeah. difference, yeah. right? Because, like, like the triangle is based on a sequence of options, mm-hmm. and, you, and, and we knew stone cold mm-hmm. every sequence. Yeah. So no matter what the defense does, we are ready to counter going really, really deep into the triangle, mm-hmm. and uh, we just weren't prepared for that. So tell me – the mental effect that the Achilles injury had, right? I mean, you, you've said publicly, you say it in the book, that there was no way an injury was going to define when you were going to retire. Yeah. It was not going to be your you know exit out of the game. Your initial reaction was, I'm sure, shock and you know got a big hill to climb. But I remember from that, from that first moment on, you were determined to get back on the court and not half the player you were you know you 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 certainly had the mamba mentality at that point right yeah well it was tough i mean i i had really sacrificed a lot in that second half of the of the season to get us to the playoffs yeah. and we were playing the best basketball out of any team in the league at that point point. Right. and i really liked our chances not just to get to the playoffs but to win the whole thing i mean that's how well we were playing 
And so when it happened, I was really just angry, just upset that it happened. Yeah. Right. And um, I had th- I've been contemplating uh, stepping away from the game mm-hmm. uh, up until that point. And then when it happened, I was like, okay, I'm not, I can't, I'm not retiring now. This mm-hmm. is not going to determine. Yeah, right. There's no way. <laughs> no, it's not going to happen. No, I mean, I went with you to the doctor. Remember <laughs> yeah. when you had the stitches out? Yeah, we have photos yeah. in the book. Yeah. And. All you cared about was learning how to walk in the boot. That was it. That was <laughs> what it. What do I got to do? How that long is it, it going to take? Well, you know how it is, man. You go, you go piece by piece. You know, made the determination. I'm going to come back from it. And now it becomes, all right, what are the steps to do that? Mm-hmm. And you just go incrementally. Yeah. Did you think you could come back at the level you came back at? Yeah. Yeah? Hell yeah. Wow. I mean, there were so many people that doubted that. At your well, age I mean, and, and all the mileage you had had on you already. But I had... I had Great doctors, yeah. had great therapists in Judy mm-hmm. and uh, and um, Baron Spatos. I had a team of great physicians. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then also I knew my commitment level to doing mm-hmm. what they told me to do. Right. <laughs> right? And most players from the research that I've gathered tend to rush through things mm-hmm. and skip steps of the process. Mm-hmm. And I committed to not doing that and just focusing on every little piece, even the you know the being patient part of making sure you don't put too much stress on it, stay right. off your feet, and all this good stuff. So when you woke up the morning of April, what was it, April thirteenth, two thousand sixteen, yeah. your last game? I, yeah. I was with you almost from the beginning. Came to your office. I think it was like nine in the morning. Yeah. Did Did you have any idea that that day would end up the way it did? Sixty Z- points, zero. walking off the court. No. Seriously, Mm-mm. zero. I mean that was. I mean, we're, we live in Hollywood, right? right. Basically, I mean, right. who could have right. written that script? No, if, if if that script showed up on my desk <laughs> and I'm reading the script, I'd tell him to rewrite. <laughs> no way that could happen. It's too, yeah. it's too too unbelievable. I mean, right. I was sitting there, and it was. I mean, Staples Center. I had heard Staples Center go crazy. I don't think it had gone that crazy yeah. <laughs> it's for, a, it's for a, a regular season game. No, no, ever. It's a different energy. It was really <laughs> yeah. electric. But no, I mean, the day was filled with me being in the headspace of the stories that we were creating, yeah. and and yeah. and you know, kind of the editorial process yeah. of that I wasn't really focused on it. It was like, oh, the game's going to come and go. Yeah. And, you know, it's time to move on, sort of thing. Yeah. And I got there, and just the energy in the place, and you know, my mm. teammates were like, you know, come on, we got to get you the ball, and all this other stuff. And I was yeah. like, oh man, I, I really got. Play. Yeah, I really. And then, and then really what about go. the champagne shower in the locker room? Yeah, yeah. afterwards. I know. I, I think know. It was, I, I don't know what it was. It's probably just water at that point. But <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't know. I mean, I, was awesome. in, I was like, dude, this is this is cool. But I said, I'm, all, I'm only used to having champagne for championships. This is not a championship. <laughs> right. But since the bottles are here, all right, just pop them. Let's, yeah. let's go. <laughs> it was a beautiful. It really was a beautiful moment. It was fun. And then you came out and you signed the court. That was yeah. just that was that was amazing. Um, so, Kobe. You uh, have kind of made it your almost your life's work in, in a way to seek out greatness, to mm-hmm. seek out um, people that you admire, um, and and get their story, pick their brains. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, is there anybody left really that you haven't talked to that you could tell us? Um, n- no, I mean when I when I think of a player, player, or person, or um, individual to call, I normally just call them right so it's hard for me to sit here and say i want to reach out to this person because when i think i want to reach out to that person i just do it right then and there mm-hmm. um and uh so no i mean but you know it's a long list i mean from from all kinds of different walks of life yeah um and and what's the what do you feel is the common thread between people of, of that stature greatness people that you seek out people like yourself yeah that, like that 
that extra chromosome or something that you guys have. What is that? Well, yeah, I think it's, you know, we talked about it earlier in terms of loving what you do. You know, that's, that's always step one, truly loving it and not everything that comes with it, but loving it. Mm -hmm. Right. And then it's the patience of paying attention to the basics Mm -hmm. of your discipline, you know, be it investing, uh, be it marketing, Mm -hmm. be it um, acting, music, you know, composition. It's what are the the basics? What are the fundamentals Mm -hmm. of the craft Mm -hmm. and mastering those and working on those over and over and over and over. And then, being creative on top of that Mm. right but they all master the basics so it sounds a little bit like you're talking about the mamba mentality natural segue into that right yeah it's an obsession it's passion Mm -hmm. it's uh taking things to a level another level Mm -hmm. um i know you talk about in the book it's it's actually the title of the book but uh, can you just tell us all of the listeners what how you define mamba mentality well, I mean, a lot of it is just having an infinite curiosity about what it is that you do, right? And what you see in this book is you'll see a, 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 a person that's just really curious about their craft. So mm-hmm. constantly asking questions, well, why is that that way? Mm-hmm. And why is that there? Why is that here? Why is this this? Why is this that? And then through those questions, it leads you down the rabbit hole of, of answers that then just lead to more questions. Mm-hmm. And that's how you get better at your craft. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And so at its purest form, Mamba mentality is curiosity. Mm-hmm. And then you layer everything else on top of that. So you had the Mamba mentality as a kid. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you just didn't call it that. Just didn't call it that. Until the, the actual black Mamba came to be. Right. right? Okay. Right. I got it. Um, so what's in your in your own words okay what yeah. is the what are the what is the mission of this book that we did together because i i know the genesis of it sure. how it started sure what are you trying to get across no, teach next generation mm-hmm. you know who's the, the kids that are out there playing basketball that want to learn the game mm-hmm. the kids that were me mm-hmm. you know um 30 some years ago mm-hmm. and is it important for you to to let people into your head because you know I was one of the few people that saw these incredible personal workouts that you did. I remember, and, and uh, you, you, I'm sure you remember this, but we're in Las Vegas for the 2008 uh, training camp for USA Basketball for yeah. the Olympic team, and I get a call at 2 o'clock in the morning. Hey, Kobe's doing Pilates. You want to come up and take some <laughs> pictures? You know, I don't think many of those guys in the team were doing Pilates at no, 2 o'clock in the morning. No, And no. then that, that legendary workout and work ethic, then all of a sudden, you know, you see the other guys, you know, they're not kind of hanging out at night anymore. They're yeah, taking yeah. care of themselves. They're in the gym a little earlier, right? Yeah, they, they, gotta, they, they figured out pretty quickly, <laughs> oh, that's the level that we need to work right. at. We need to kind of be right. at that and level, yeah. Was it weird for you to be like the elder statesman on that team? Uh, well, in 2008, not really. My mind was completely focused on winning the gold medal because, yeah. you know, uh, the two teams before had failed, yes. right? And so it was like, no, this is a deadly serious thing. It was important for the other guys who were a lot young. Bron was really young. He didn't know anything about winning championships. And, you know, D. Wade had won. Yeah. Um, but he was on those teams that lost. So it was kind of – so it was like, no, this is a – we're, we're facing imminent threats <laughs> and and we need to reestablish our position so it was more focused on creating a culture mm-hmm. of no this is not happening right 
Um, and you set the tone for that. I mean, I was there. I saw it happen. Yeah, so that, K, that was the focus. Coach K talks, talked about that on, on my podcast. He said that you came to him and you said, I want to guard the best guy on every team. Yeah. And I don't care about scoring. Yeah. And then you did that and he had to go to you and say, you know, you could score a little too once yeah. in a while, yeah. right? But guarding people was so much more fun. Because, <laughs> you know, listen, it, there, there are players over there that, that – you don't hear about that are great players. Uh-huh. Yeah, right? for great sure. Players, Spanulis and Diamantides and all these. Yeah. And if I wanted the responsibility of of studying these players mm-hmm. and showing up to play them and say, no, I know who you are. Yeah. I know where your spots are. Uh-huh. I know what you like to do. You're not just going to sit here and watch me play <laughs> right. and figure me out and yeah. think you got an advantage. No, I know everything about you. And, you know, I'm going to be – uh, I'm going to be in your jersey from the time they throw the ball up to the time the game's over. <laughs> so the mama mentality went international at that point. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. no yeah. playing around. <laughs> no playing around. <laughs> All right. Well, I want to give you um, some quick hitters here. So okay. I'm going to ask you about um, to describe in one word okay. some teammates and a couple of coaches. All right. Mm. So if I say – if I say Tex Winner to you, the late Tex Winner. Genius. We, genius. Perfect, right? Phil Very Jackson. Simple. What would you say about Phil? Uh, he's another genius. Yeah. Um, how about Derek Fisher? Uh, tough. Mm. Mm. Pal Gasol. Smart. Shaq. Goofy. <laughs> Karan Butler. Brother. Mm. And Lamar Odom. Leader. Hmm. All good stuff, man. That that those are perfect. Um, I want to ask you a couple of questions um, that are China related because we got a lot of fans in China. Yeah. And uh, if you can tell us what what's your most memorable moment in China in your life and career? Um, yeah, the first time I went over there and did a basketball camp. That was that was fun. Yeah. I mean, it was only ten kids. <laughs> and it was a very small, like ridiculously hot. Gym. <laughs> and when was this? About? And this was ninety seven. Oh boy! So this is like after your second, after your first year yeah, working here. First year. So not the first time you were ever in China. It was. Yeah. It was. And uh, just ten kids, and I just took them through a clinic, took them through a drill, and they loved the game so much, and yeah. you could see kind of the excitement on their face, like this new thing, and yeah. you know, and uh, always remember that. That was that was. Um, when my trips to China were at their like their purest purest mm-hmm. stage, yeah. you know, and then contrast that with going into uh, the bird's nest um, yeah. in 2008 for the Olympics right. yeah. and the ovation I got there, mm. right? And so those those are like two drastically different yes yeah that was... moments. But you get the one in, in 08 because of yes yeah the one in 97. Yeah. See, I, I remember that in Europe when we I went over there with uh, the Celtics in '87. Mm-hmm. It was the first McDonald's open that the the NBA had brought to Europe in Madrid. We, they brought the Celtics. Oh yeah. And I remember we passed the, on the way to the hotel from the airport. We passed the arena, and there were probably 500 people waiting in the rain. Mm-hmm. Everyone wearing a bird jersey, yeah, Mikhail, yeah. whatever. Fathers, sons, grandfathers, just yeah. to get tickets. You know, it was insane. Sure. And then my first experience in China was off the chart. I just could not believe how popular the game was. Yeah, at that point. Well, the game translates, right? And it's, it's yeah. just the, it's just the connectivity with others. Yeah. Uh, okay. And you know, the game. I mean, it's such a great metaphor for life in general, and I think that's why it has such a global appeal. One more question for China: What's the greatest thing that you ever learned? The greatest thing I ever learned. Um, that 
no matter where you travel, no matter what part of the world you go, um, um, emotion is emotion. <laughs> it doesn't doesn't matter. I mean, you, you you can go to China and you think, okay, it's cultural culture is different. Go to Italy, the cultures culturally things may be different. Mm-hmm. Foods may be different. You know, um, but the emotion that people have is exactly the same. Mm-hmm. You know, the fears, the anxiety, the joy, the love. Everybody at their core want to experience the same thing emotionally and have yeah. the same emotional challenges. It's, it's yeah. right. Once you understand that, mm-hmm. then every place becomes home. Absolutely. Um, so let's get back to the book for just one one more couple of more questions. So. Was there ever a time, and you gotta tell, you gotta be honest with me, okay? I was there ever know. a time when when I was hanging around on the plane in the yeah. locker room when you said, "I'm just sick of this guy. Why the hell does he keep no, taking my care. picture? Seriously? Yeah, because no, I can once. I can honestly tell you, the listeners, everybody, that it was never once that you said, "Hey, you know what? Give me yeah. like, some space or no. something." And no. I was always aware of that. I was always aware, like is, you know, the the picture, my favorite picture, you know, behind the scenes in Madison Square Garden when you're meditating. Yeah. Phil calls it the thinker. You know, yeah, yeah. you got your your ankles in ice and your little thing, your finger was busted. And my biggest fear was the click of the shutter was going to yeah. disturb you. And you were in such a deep meditative state. That no, I don't if think the click anything of the shutter disturbed me, then I wasn't focused enough. There you go. Right. So right. I, I, I've right. always tried to have everything around me disappear right. and just be where I am. Yeah. And I think that that works yeah. for me as an athlete. I think that works for you as a photographer because, you know, you know, the subject is not um, um, distracted by, mm-hmm. you know, you taking pictures of it, yeah. right? You you wind up getting things that are authentic and true to form because the person is just really in the moment and focusing on what they're supposed to be doing. Right. So. Like you talk about a big shot. The big shot's just a shot. Yes. Right? Yes. Everything else goes away. Mm-hmm. Pressure is like meaningless at that point. Right. You've shot you know well you can tell in your own words, you've no, shot that shot a million it, times, right? Yeah, over and over and over and so you just need to do it one more time. And mm-hmm. you know, you through experience, you understand that you make some and you miss some. Yeah. You, you'll make some game winners, you miss game winners. So you don't really get too up and down about it because yeah. um, there's always another one. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, yeah. Well, you hit some big shots in your day. Yeah, yeah. and I miss some big ones too. Well, right. So you just kind of you just you, what I'm saying is you just roll with it because there are ebbs and flows through everything. Mm-hmm. Right. You'll be disappointed that you miss one at that moment in time, right. and then the next day you let it go because you have another game to play, and then you make that one and you get super excited. You can't still be on cloud nine the next day because you got a game the next night. Right. Exactly. <laughs> right? Yeah. So you just it's it's, it's yeah. a constant cycle of, yeah. of being in the moment. So it's like if you pitched a no hitter. That the last time you came out, yeah. you know, it's a whole new game, right? No, you so, let it go. You, you you focus on your next opponent, right? Um, well, Co, I, I can't tell you how what a pleasure it's been to do this book with you. First of all, for the for the trust that you had to have me just tell you around, <laughs> tell around <laughs> with you for twenty years, but the the book is is a great testament to your career to and and I think to our relationship and man, fact, yours as well, man. It, it's, well, I mean, thank it's, you. This has been a. a uh, a great tag team effort, man, and not just us, but our team in general, um, to put this book together and absolutely have it succeed the way it has. Right? Yeah, and now it's you know it's gone to other countries, and yeah. you know, Mamba has just gone nuts all over the world. 
So thank you, Kobe. Thanks for being part of Legends of Sport, the podcast. So tell us, tell us what's on the agenda for you now. What's in front of you right now that you work? Yeah, on? well, um, well, the detail series is always um, rolling. Yeah, mm-hmm. Peyton Manning now doing detail. He's on his fourth episode, and yeah. it's it's uh, just remarkable what yeah. he's doing. Um, and you know, then we have the Punies podcast. I listened just to up. five of them yeah. on a drive that I had from Seattle to Portland the <laughs> good, other day. I loved good, it. Good, good. Yeah. So we have the Punies, and then. The, now focused on turning that into an animated series. Mm-hmm. We have a slate of novels coming out, the first of which is coming out in March mm-hmm. called the Rollerby Wizard series. Okay. Magical Coach, mm-hmm. right? A lot of that inspiration comes from my time with Tex and Phil and, you know, and uh, Bill Russell as a mentor. And so you'll, you'll see a lot of that in those stories. Yeah. And then we have more novels to follow, right? So we, we have a slate of, of, of content um, for the next five years, man. So we're really, really busy. Um, novels to films and theater and things of that sort. Wow. So. Well, I'm glad you were able to shoehorn this book into <laughs> that busy schedule. <laughs> Got you out of here in time, man. Oh, man. Thank you. Come on, brother. That was super fun. That's that great. Best. That's just ridiculous. In loving memory of Kobe Bryant.